Gospel reading for this morning comes from John's Gospel, beginning in the 13th chapter at the 31st verse. And John wrote these things. When he had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is seen for who he is, and God's seen for who he is in him. The moment God is seen in him, God's glory will be on display. In glorifying him, he himself is glorified. Glory all around. Children, I'm with you for only a short time longer. You're going to look high and low for me. But just as I told the Jews, I'm telling you where I go, you are not able to come. Let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, when they see the love that you have for each other. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O oh Lord, make us serene like the hills, clear like the sky, pure like the clouds, upright like the trees, warm like the sunshine, refreshing like the rain, bubbling like a stream. O oh God, who's made all things and made them beautiful, make us beautiful too. Open our ears, our hearts, our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. I hate to do this because I haven't had a chance to warm up your ears yet. But I think you've got to listen close to this one from the beginning. The story goes like this. An old man lived alone in Idaho. And he wanted to shovel up his potato garden but it was backbreaking work and his son Bubba, who used to help him, was in prison. And the old man mentioned it in a letter he sent to his son by saying, you know, I'm not sure exactly what to do. I'm getting too old to be digging up the garden. It looks like I won't be able to plant that garden this year after all. Well, a few days later, he received a short letter from his son. It said this, Dad, for heaven's sake, don't dig up that garden. That's where I buried the bodies. At 4 a.m. the next morning, a crew of police officers and the FBI arrived to find the bodies. And after digging for hours, they gave up and apologized to the old man and left. And that same day, the old man received another letter from his son. It said, Dear Dad, under these circumstances, that's the best I can do. <laughs> Go ahead and plant your potatoes now. <laughs> the Jesus of John's Gospel says to his disciples, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. 
And this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love that you have for each other. And in a very powerful way, I think that this notion is tied to the vision of a new heaven and a new earth from the book of Revelation. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making God's home with men and women. I'm making everything new. So my question for this morning, I share with you because it's the question I immediately asked. So really, what does this look like? How does it work? When Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, what does that mean to me? How did Jesus love them? Well, this morning I briefly want to look at four different encounters in John because I think they fill out that portrait quite nicely. First, you need to know I've always been intrigued by Nicodemus. Do you remember the story of the leader of the Jews who came to Jesus by night? The conversation is between two teachers. And I think that no teacher can teach unless there's an expectation that the other wants to learn, to grow, to at least entertain the possibility of change. To live by that expectation is how a teacher loves his or her students. So did Jesus love Nicodemus. And then every good teacher meets people where they are and then entices them to move beyond the known into the unknown, from the familiar to the unfamiliar. And in this particular case, a teacher in Israel had become so at home in the familiar scriptures that he'd become blind to some of their deeper thought and further reaches. And Jesus sought to lure him out of his comfortable rut into a pursuit of new life. That is how Jesus loved Nicodemus. Then there's the encounter with the Samaritan woman. Do you remember the story of the woman who came to the well of Sychar? When Jesus stopped about noon and asked her for a drink of water? She'd been married five times, and her sixth husband was really not her husband. It was a live-in companion. Now first, Jews and Samaritans, they did not use the same dishes. But Jesus asked her for a drink. He asked her to do something for him. It was a request that honored her. He noticed her. And we should know that she had two strikes against her. First, she was a Samaritan. Second, she was a woman. And Jesus crashed through all the barriers between them and related to her simply as another human being. He showed respect for her personhood. Then he got the facts about her marriages out in the open, allowed her not to hide behind her shame. He removed barriers to their conversation and relationship, and then he related to her hopefully. He tried to give her a thirst for some quality of life that she had not envisioned for herself. 
He encouraged her to reach out further for a deeper sense of spirituality. It was in these ways that Jesus loved the Samaritan woman. Rabbi Abraham Heschel wrote, and I quote, just to be is a blessing. Just to live is holy. And then there's the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Does the story come to your mind? Jesus was in the temple teaching with a crowd gathered around him in full view of everyone. And some self-righteous men brought her to Jesus and said, Hey, teacher, this woman was just caught red-handed in the act of adultery. And Moses gives us orders to stone such persons. What do you say? Well, if you remember, Jesus would not say. He just bent down and wrote in the dirt. And when they continued to pester him, he straightened up and said to them, All right, the sinless among you, you go first. Throw the stones. And Jesus, in such a way, pointed to the fact that the accusers were passionate about the letter of the law, but had little concern, really, for its purpose. They were all for justice, but short on the compassion side of the issue. And then Jesus just simply accepted the woman as she was and affirmed her as a person. He did not condone her adultery or explain it away or throw it up in her face. But whereas her accusers probably only made her afraid or bitter or defiant, Jesus challenged her to a new level of self-respect and a new way of life. Go on your way. And from now on, don't sin. It was in these ways that Jesus loved the woman accused of adultery. And finally this morning, there's the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. In John, the story comes just before what we read for this day. Do you remember it? Jesus and his disciples had come together in Jerusalem to observe Passover, which celebrated the Jews' flight from Egypt and their escape from slavery. And at one point, Jesus got up, picked up a towel, and tied it around his waist as a servant would, and then he poured water into a pitcher and went around the room and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel he had around them. What he did was the lowliest of servants' tasks, the performance of the lowest task for those nearest to him. That is how Jesus loved those whom he was pleased to call friends. How then? Should we love one another as Jesus loved? He did not relate to people in a mechanical way. They were not all lumped together and treated alike. No one was dealt with as a stereotype. Jesus embodies love's knowledge of the other, respect for the other, 
sensitivity to the uniqueness of the other. Each person is related to, hopefully, Love is at work broadening horizons, arousing new expectations, stirring people to learn, to grow, to change. Love is infinitely resourceful, unfailingly creative, and always ready to believe and hope for the best. That's Paul. And finally, folks, human beings, we, are magnificently important. Part of the ongoing good news is the trouble that God takes to fashion a world full of people and the fulfillment of human beings, whatever that means exactly, is wanted by God, by Jesus, and it should be wanted by us. And I really believe that if we could get better at this loving thing, we would see a new heaven and a new earth realized in our time and our place. Someone once wrote, and I quote, it's all holy ground if we look with spiritual eyes. It's all holy tastes if we eat with a spiritual mouth. It's all holy sound if we hear with spiritual ears. It's all holy smells if we breathe with a spiritual nose. And it's all holy territory if we have a spiritual touch. Everything is holy if we feel with a spiritual heart. Amen.